we had a church retreat a couple of weeks ago. Were any of you there? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, that, and that retreat was okay. Um, and uh, when we do our all-church retreats, it's always like drinking from a fire hose, right? I mean, there's just a lot coming out, and, you know, it's hard to, hard to capture it all without just getting blown away. Um, and uh, so my warm-up question for this morning is kind of directed to those who were at the retreat, but hopefully a benefit to those who were not. What was your, what was your takeaway from the all-church retreat, those of you who were there? We actually did this exercise at the end of the retreat, so, so this is a quiz for which you should actually have answers, uh, unlike my other quizzes, which are just designed to antagonize you. Um, you should actually, you know, have an answer prepared here. So I'll give you eight seconds to kind of recall and refresh. What was your big takeaway from the all-church retreat? Eight seconds. Wait, wait, wait. Eight seconds. All right, Mike. What was your takeaway from the all-church retreat? A virus. A virus, yeah. <laughs> yes, I heard that a lot of people got sick. I, uh, on the, uh, the last evening of the treat, we had a, a kind of a, a, a child care fall-through crisis thing, and uh, so I invited uh, my daughter's cross-country team to come care for the kids which was very nice of them because uh, that week we were all traveling together to California uh, to compete in a big invitational. And then while they were caring for the kids, all the kids started throwing up and stuff like that. So I feared that I had wiped out the HBA cross-country team <laughs> by inviting them to help us at the All Church Retreat. In fact, not a single one of them got sick, and neither did I as, as a coach. So. But I, I heard that some of you did, and let's just stop the sharing on that right there. Big takeaway from the altruistic machine. Anyone else? Yeah. Jesus can't resist faith. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to talk about that again this morning a little bit. Anyone else? Yes, Beth? Oh, I like the way you put that. Tell your time what to do. Don't let your time tell you what to do. I should have said it that way. That, that, that would have been better. All right, come on, from, from, from you shy people now, yeah. Just, just felt the presence of God there in different ways, and that's like, that's not a teaching, but it is a teaching. Uh, if you've experienced just the manifest presence of God, uh, you, can, uh, you can get a lot of life change out of that. Yes? Trust is, oh, rest is biblical, rest is biblical. I wouldn't argue with that. That's a great one. Yeah, Meech. We have great aim. Oh, I get it. We have great aim. Yeah, this is the frisbee meditation exercise you're talking about. Right, sat in the middle of a circle, and everybody threw frisbees at me, and uh, and I actually didn't get hit very badly. That was my big takeaway. One more. Never give, up. Never give up. That's a good one. I've heard that one. Um, a lot of good points. I'm always interested to hear how people formulate it and take things away. I, I personally, as uh, a member of the team that helped organize and pilot the whole thing, uh, would be satisfied if people took away from the retreat 
uh, what I would call a, a greater faith facility, a greater facility with faith. And I know that's a weird phrase. I mean, faith facility, uh, what, what is that? Um, I, facility is, is basically a, a fancy word for, for skill, you know, so you could say faith skill, but it sounds better when you do two F words in a row. Uh, so I went with faith facility. If you have a facility with faith, then, then you know how to use it. You, you can deploy it. You can manage it really, really well. And, and in one way, shape, or form, a lot of what we tried to do at the All Church Retreat uh, was that we you just tried to get the hang of managing our own faith in different ways. And there's a bedrock point there, which is you actually can choose faith. We talk a lot of Blue Water about attitude is something that you choose and cultivate in your life. You know, if you wake up in a bad mood, well, choose a better one. You know, and, and that's part of maturity as human beings. You choose your attitude. You choose your approach. And the kingpin attitude is faith. Faith is an attitude that you choose, or as the Apostle Paul says sometimes, things that you put, you put on faith or you pick up faith. You pick up faith in, in the form of a shield or something like that. And Jesus is constantly saying to people something like, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just have faith. As if we could choose our attitude. And in a day and age where, um, well, I mean, emotion is king, you know, in our culture. How you feel is, is, uh, is the trump card on things. It, it, it's hard for us to to remember that, well, actually, no, you get to choose your approach to things, no matter how you feel. You get to choose your attitude, no matter what stormy circumstances are. And so that's kind of just a basic Christian teaching. It's like, no, choose faith. And once you choose it, do things that make it stronger, because faith is like a muscle that you, you have to work it out uh, if, it's, if it's going to be any good. So that's what I mean by faith facility, you know. Get skilled. Work on your faith skills because there is no more important set of skills in, in all of life. What I want to do today is actually do a retreat review, which might sound really boring to those of you who are at the retreat, so let's just get the complaint out of the way right now. And, and on the count of three, everybody grumble. Ready? One, two, three. Thanks for choosing faith. Um, so. You know, and, and, and I realize, you know, we're two weeks out and uh, doing a review of the treat um, might, might seem a, a little weird. But, but for me, a lot in life, a lot of teaching in life is a little bit like writing a good essay. You remember when you were taught to write essays in high school, what do you do? Well, you write an introduction where you say what it is you're going to talk about. You, talk, you, you tell what ideas you're going to talk about. And then there's the body of the essay where you explain the ideas that you want to talk about. And then there's the conclusion where you summarize the ideas that you just talked about. Uh, and until you do all three things, well, the lesson's not really complete. Um, and uh, we, the reason we do quizzes and tests when we're in school is because the final step of learning is recall. Until you have remembered something that you learned in the past, you haven't really learned it yet. You know, memory and, and recall is what makes things live in your life. And there were a lot of lessons at the retreat, like drinking from a fire hose, so I wanted to do a little recall exercise. We started the retreat with scripture study on certain Bible passages, certain gospel passages that had to do uh, with Jesus interacting with people uh, who showed faith. Uh, that's why Joni said, yeah, Jesus, 
Jesus can't, can't resist faith. Uh, we're going to look at one of those passages here in a second just to illustrate. Uh, but the world, the universe is designed for trust, I think is, is the bedrock point. God designed our life in such a way that the point is to learn to trust Him. The point is to learn to have faith, which is why life is hard. It's why God does not make Himself obvious. It's why it takes faith to do miracles, and you can't just accidentally do them, you know? Everything is designed to get us to trust Him. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve knew full well that God existed. They just didn't trust His character. That trust is the point of all of life. So it makes sense that Jesus will get really, really excited when He encounters uh, particularly great faith in, in people. Uh, we did exercises in, in prayer and meditation the second morning, and we did those exercises as exercises of putting on faith or getting to faith and purpose. Prayer is something that, that we uh, Jesus followers tend to understand decently well. I mean, prayer is just a word that means talking with God or communicating with God not just talking at God, but listening to God speak to us as well. It's an important point. Uh, what is the most important prayer skill in all of life? What's the most important skill when it comes to prayer? The ability to be still. The ability to be still, not bad. After you pray, make sure you have some faith, not bad. Being able to pray on the spot, to throw down in prayer, uh, actually, actually, yeah, yeah, be in the moment when you pray, that's not bad, Zach, yeah, I think we're all hitting around it. Last one, Mayor. Listening to God, the listening portion of prayer, I would agree, that's probably the most important part of prayer. Um, I think the most important skill when it comes to prayer life is the skill of getting around to praying. If you, if you manage to do it, it's going to turn out okay. But what ruins our prayer life? We, we don't pray is what ruins our prayer life. Uh, if we're particularly honest about it. And then we could talk about, oh, well, what gets in the way of prayer? Oh, you're busy. I, sure, sure. But the, the vital prayer skill, the most vital prayer, prayer skill in life is getting, to, getting around to pray. Uh, and so that, that, was really, that was really our point. And, and that's really what the Bible you know, says uh, about prayer when we learn about Jesus' prayer life. The dude got up before dawn to go get a private place to pray, you know, and he was exhausted. Yeah, you have to just very intentionally and with extreme forcefulness set prayer in your life. It needs to be sort of a non-negotiable. And if you don't do it with that forcefulness, with that intentionality, you know, with planning and, and holiness, which means setting asideness, then you're not going to pray. Uh, and so that's, that's that. Uh, meditation is a fancy word we kind of associate with, I don't know, Eastern mysticism or something like that, but we did a lot of, a lot of uh, passage reviews from the Bible, and meditation is throughout the Bible. The word meditation is a weird one, though, because we have so many different words that mean the same thing. Uh, often, you know, stillness or reflection is associated with it. 
or setting your mind or dwelling upon. Sometimes the Bible uses those phrases to interpret the old word that seems to mean meditation. But what meditation is, is just, it's simply an exercise in attention. It's an exercise in deep attention or, or focus, setting your mind on something. Uh, deep, at deep attention requires focus of the mind, which is, which is really an exercise in simplification. If you're focused on something, then you're not focused on other things. And that's really the essential skill. Uh, when it comes to setting your mind or meditating. So we did some exercises in, in uh, getting present. Zach was talking about this. Uh, one of the tricks that I use to get present is I just sort of tune in to my five senses. What am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I feeling? Because you can't tune into your five senses and notice things and not be in the moment. You can't be in the future when you're trying to feel what's on your skin. Uh, so that's just a trick. Uh, that's really helpful. Be in the moment because fear only lives in the future. <laughs> uh, unless someone is at this moment trying to hit you with a bat, um, you worry about things in the future, uh, not the present. So get present. And that's where the stillness is. And stillness is confidence in God. Um, so get present and then get clear. Stop the words in your head and don't let any thought linger in your head. That's really hard for a lot of people. Some of us just have this internal verbal dialogue going on all the time. Uh, Subvocalization, uh, some uh, behavioral psychologists call it. Um, and uh, this is one advantage that we introverts have. Um, is that, you know, there's a room in my brain where absolutely nothing is going on ever. It's a great room. I love it. It's my favorite room. And, uh, you know, I can kind of go there and nobody talks to me and I'm not talking to me. Uh, but, but I have it on, on good, good confidence that not everybody is like that, uh, that there's always words and stuff going through your head. Well, the problem with that is that it compromises focus. So, you know, kind of get there and stop the dialogue and just sort of create s silence. Because what happens when you create silence? Well, then you can hear. <laughs> and you can hear something new and God can speak a breakthrough to you, even if he doesn't use words to do it, but instead uses presence to do it. You know, so that's great. So get present and get clear and then get focused. And we did this exercise in the retreat uh, of focus where after we kind of got clear and kind of got, got empty and, and got quiet, we chose an attitude. Like you choose faith or you can choose joy or you can choose peace. We chose an attitude, kind of filled our empty space with that, and then just try to intensify the attitude. Um, if you ever uh, did any intense physical or combat sports, your coach probably yelled at you to get psyched up. You know, and what's that? That's like intensifying the attitude that's going to keep you alive out there. You know, uh, that, that, that's not a bad life skill, um, you know, to kind of Take a moment, get clear, choose faith, intensify it so that when you move from your moment of meditation, you're actually moving in faith. All of that is an exercise in setting one's mind. And it's an exercise that the Bible advocates in different ways in many different places. A passage that many of you might be familiar with is from Philippians 4. Uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good and worthy, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, 
meditate on these things. <laughs> Fix your mind on these things. Make it a part of your daily exercise to really get into them. Get it on, you know. Put that stuff on. Um, and uh, that's going to really, really help you when there's a storm in life when, say, oh, I don't know, there are 30 Frisbees flying around you and your eyes are closed, which is the exercise we did at the retreat. When there are dozens of different circumstances flying through your life or people yelling at you from one side or demanding things from you on the other side, when life is storm, when life is chaos, oh, we really need that ability to kind of set her down, get real, and set our own mind rather than let other things set our mind. That's a great faith skill. That's, that's like choosing an attitude. There's a huge difference between hoping that faith or peace happens to you and putting on faith or peace in life. And that difference, uh, I think, in a way, kind of defines whether or not we're a mature human being and whether or not we're a mature follower of Christ, whether our feet can get taken out from under us or whether our feet stay secure on, uh, on the straight and narrow. And then we talked about this concept, uh, which we called at the retreat, making assignments, which again is another funny phrase that you give yourself assignments during the day, and that's a great way to, to stay focused. It's really just another exercise in, in focus. Um, uh, making an assignment uh, is answering the question, well, what am I really doing here right now? Uh, what, 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 am I, what am I doing here? Uh, and I've learned the value of this because my brain can go different directions. Uh, the first assignment I make for myself is, is in the morning. I, I get up typically before other people in my house, and then pretty soon the kids sort of come out of the bedrooms, and there's that morning, there's that, there's that moment where you kind of, you begin your day together, and I don't know what your family is like, but we can be kind of sleepy and grumbly and stumbly. Uh, so what, I, what I've done is I've given myself an assignment in, in that moment to my, the point of early morning on weekdays for families is to get the kids to school, right? Um, it seems like the point, but, but the assignment is, is really to instill the kids with confidence and, and faith for the day. So I just give my assignment to, to greet them in, in a tone of confidence to try to set the tone for their day, which might be easy for you. For me, that's not easy, uh, but I give myself that, uh, that assignment anyway. I try to be cheery. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I try to have at least a half a cup of coffee down by the time I get there. So, um, This is a place where you should make in yourself assignments whenever you walk through the door. I mean, maybe an assignment would be, I'm going to connect one person to our community today, you know, one person who's new or one person who's visiting or something like that. When you go off to work in the morning, say, well, yeah, I'm going to work now. My job is to get to work. Sure. Uh, but maybe you could make yourself an assignment instead of get to purpose. What's the purpose of you going to work? Well, this is the point in the day in which I start providing for my family and perfecting my craft. Okay, well, that 
is an attitude that changes everything. Making assignment is an exercise in getting to purpose. Making sure that you're moving in the purpose of what you're doing instead of just doing what, you're, what you normally do. Um, maybe when you get to work, you say, well, this is the moment in which I set the tone for my office day. I'm going to be the tone setter in my cluster of cubicles or whatever it is uh, for you. Uh, I, I uh, have a point every day where I sit down and answer emails and I get like dozens and dozens and dozens of emails every day and that can be a little overwhelming for me so I have a little assignment that I give myself. I say to myself, uh, this, is, this is the part of my day where I communicate concisely and wisely which helps me write short responses and to really concentrate and say something wise. Some of you get my emails and you know that I sometimes don't pull off the wise bit, but I'm usually pretty, pretty concise. Um, I do a lot of you know, counseling. I have a lot of uh, critical conversations with people in trouble and sometimes I give myself an assignment in those conversations just to make sure that I stay on purpose. And I say uh, something like, well, uh, my assignment in this situation is to get everyone to focus on truth instead of focusing on feeling or something like that. Because that often helps people get past the hurt and the pain, etc., etc. We did exercises in making assignments. And then finally we talked about rest, which is also something that you have to put on. You have authority over any storm or any challenge in which you can rest, in which you can kind of find that stillness, in which you can decide to focus on rest and focus on God and celebrating God instead of focusing on the chaos that is around you. And that's really what the Sabbath is about. It's a, it's a weekly exercise in putting confidence on. Uh, that's really what rest is. Stillness is confidence in God. Uh, of course, we set aside time to interact with God supernaturally through His presence and through prophecy. And we often get a lot of great stories through that. That is a big part of Blue Water culture, making space for God to be supernatural uh, in our midst. And it worked well for a lot of folks. We'll probably have a testimony or two about that in upcoming weeks. But in all, um, it was sort of a, a retreat about being intentional when it comes to putting on faith uh, and, and discovering that that really helps us get around to purpose in life, to help us live meaningfully and well attitude uh, is something that you get to choose. You get to choose your approach to the day. I, I just wanted to review one scripture from the retreat. I said on the first night, we uh, examined some scripture passages on faith. We did three short ones, and, and this is one from Matthew 15, uh, just as a point of reflection and illumination. Uh, I love this little story. Matthew 15. What's happening here uh, in, in this section of Matthew is that, you know, Jesus is traveling around with this band of, of uh, merry men, uh, these disciples, uh, and not just the 12 disciples, but there's also a, a larger crowd. The disciples were like his, you know, his leadership team, but he had uh, hundreds of other followers that followed him around, depending on which point in the gospel <clears throat> you, uh, you look at. But what he's doing is he's trying to take his leaders, his, his 12 disciples, and, he, and he's trying to take a retreat. Um, he has become uh, relatively popular. Needy people are seeking him out wherever he goes. So he actually has to leave the country to get away. 
uh, that's what Jesus' life is like. So he and the guys are kind of exhausted. They're actually leaving the country. They're actually going to the neighboring territory in order to get away uh, a, a region of Tyre and, and, and Sidon, which is Canaanite territory, non-Jewish territory, which is interesting because it's not something that good Jews would do. It was considered, considered unclean land, but the dude just needed to get away, right? He just needed a break with his guys. They needed some rest. Uh, so he's trying to take an, an extended Sabbath, just so you know. So leaving that place, that crowded, busy place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And then a Canaanite woman, a foreign woman, a non-Jew, from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus' reputation precedes him even in foreign uh, Jewish sort of not, not believing in the one true God territory, right? But this woman has heard that there's this guy, uh, Jesus, um, and he performs miracles. Uh, so this Canaanite woman finds him and says, uh, Jesus, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Uh, other versions of this story uh, fill that out a little bit, but the girl was evidently very, very sick and in a lot of physical pain constantly. And, and this woman uh, has discerned somehow that there's part of it, at least his spiritual attack, there's a demon involved. So this heart-rending cry, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. They were really compassionate, these guys. And he answered, speaking volumes, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. See, Jesus was in touch with his purpose from God, and he was really focused on his purpose. And his purpose was to take care of the Jews, the, the lost sheep of Israel. He, his purpose was not to do foreign missions. That wasn't his calling, and he knew that. Uh, and it might seem like, well, you should give this poor suffering woman a break, but of course he also realized that if I do that here, there will be no place we can go to get rest. If we do it here, all of these people will essentially invade Israel to get to me, you know? So it's, a, it's an important pivotal moment, and Jesus isn't just being mean. I think Jesus is trying to be good and focused in a way. He's make, it's just tough love. This is a hard call for him, but he's making the call Look, I can't. It's not my job. I don't want to screw up what Father God is doing. Sorry, sometimes you have to say no. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. She just won't go away. And he replied, a bit more strongly now, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. In Greek, it's doggies. Uh, the, the Jews call the Gentiles doggies, sort of semi-derogatory, and so Jesus is using that term. It's, eh, yeah, it's, a, it's just a little bit insulting, uh, but it gets the point across. It's like, look, uh, you know, I, I, I belong to a different calling. Sorry. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I like this. I like this lady. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great 
faith. That is freaking awesome. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed uh, at that moment. The, the, the reason I love this story most is because God said no, and it didn't stop her. It was theologically, ecclesiastically incorrect for Jesus to do this miracle, but he can't resist faith. Faith trumps everything else. You know, the point of the universe, as I said earlier, was to get humans to trust in God's character, and this woman does, clearly. Her faith is inappropriate, a little bit wacky and outlandish. God says no, and she said, oh, you don't mean it. <laughs> you know, you're too generous for that. You know, we can at least have the crumbs. I know you. And this from a Canaanite, right? Uh, from someone who didn't, didn't worship God, and Jesus is like, I, I, what can I do in the face of that, you know? Uh, surely uh, you've nailed it. You don't need, you don't need the plan. You don't, you, we don't need to be careful with you. Uh, uh, you're good. And, uh, and she gets the miracle. I mean, it, there's so many things to say uh, about this passage, and it tells you about the thought processes of Jesus and stuff like that, but the faith is, is inappropriate. And somehow when I read this story, I, I, I feel permission to have inappropriate faith from time to time. You know, there's no limit on it. Just have faith, even when God says no. Have faith anyway, and, and you never know uh, what might happen. Um, I note as well that this woman chose faith instead of complaint. I mean, she stated she stated her cause, and Jesus said, no, I can't do that. And she didn't complain to Jesus about it, which is what I would have done. What, what do you mean you can't do it, God? Don't you love me? What's your problem, God? See, I, I've had those conversations with God, have you? It's like, you know, you've let me down, oh, master of the universe. You, you're kind of bad at your job. You ever had those conversations with God? Something like that, anyway. Uh, but she, she never goes to complaint. You can't move God with complaint. Go ahead and write that down. You can't move God through complaint. You can only move God through faith. Even if you feel like you have a right to complaint, and I could argue that she did, all right? Which is what makes this story so interesting. Even if you feel like you have a right to complain, well, that, it doesn't work. You know, you can't complain your way into God's heart. But faith moves God's heart even when he has half a mind to not be moved. And that's just an extraordinary principle. It's just extraordinary. It tells you how vital and beautiful a faith attitude is in God's universe. Makes me want to be more skilled at faith and putting it on even when I don't feel like it. Because what did this woman feel like? She felt like junk. She was scared. Her precious little girl was dying and suffering. There is nothing that stresses a person out more than that. 
Um, but she put it on, man. <clears throat> Sometimes the less appropriate the faith, the less God can resist it. Look, one can take this principle to ridiculous extremes and screw it up. You know, God's not going to give you that relationship with your destructive boyfriend just because you really, really, really believe he will. That's not what I'm saying. Don't, don't be stupid about this. You know, no parent is going to relent to the kid and say, oh, well, yes, here's a wet fork. Do play with the electrical socket, you know, because you believe it's good. It's like, you know, you're still not as smart as God. Uh, don't miss the point. But faith does open up a lot of possibilities in life. It allows you, allows God to do more breakthrough for you than he would otherwise be able to do. Everything is possible for someone who believes. God said, uh, Jesus said that. Uh, Paul said it's impossible to please God uh, without having faith in Him and, and believing that He rewards those who, who seek Him. Uh, here's the point. Good things typically require putting on faith, and that's something that we want to get really good at. Faith changes atmospheres. It makes things possible. And I think if everyone came to Sunday service at Blue Water and just put faith on, man, who just came in with faith put it on intentionally and forcefully instead of sitting back and waiting to see if faith happens to you today, I think we'd be in the miracle working business like that. But that's the battle. But that's the battle. You know, and I, I don't say that to judge anyone or blame anyone because putting faith on forcefully is stinking hard. It's hard. I am uh, I'm a depressive. Depression has almost cost me my life on occasion. Faith does not come to me naturally at all. You know, I made a joke earlier about how hard it is for me to be a cheery person. Like, there's nothing in my wiring that lends itself to faith. It's really, really hard. I appreciate that. I sympathize and I empathize, and, 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 and I don't do it all that well uh, myself. So no judgment. But if we could pull it off, man, if we could pull it off, if we could pull it off, we could pull off anything, anything, anything as a community. Um, faith changes atmospheres. Faith changes atmospheres, we kind of know that, but sometimes we don't know that it's the discipline of focusing in and aggressively choosing the faith attitude that really wins the day. We wait around for faith to grow or to be inspired in us, but that's not it. Faith is a discipline like anything else. That's the skill. That's the skill. Uh, so in closing, uh, just say something that we said at the start of the all-church retreat, um, which I think would be, you know, a perfectly nice uh, takeaway slogan. The first battle in any challenge in life is the battle for faith. The first battle in every and any challenge is the battle for faith. So get skilled in it. <laughs> that is the thing that we really need to get skilled in. It's what allows us to do miracles, but of course it's also what allows us to rest. It's what allows us to get to purpose in our day, to set the tone in our office, to set the tone in our family, to write good emails. <laughs> faith is the thing that allows us to do that, and the skill of putting on faith is the skill that makes that happen. Faith facility. Faith is the first battle for every church service we do. Faith is the first battle for every Ohana group meeting that you go to. 
when you show up, the first thing is, well, are people moving in faith or not? And that really decides everything else that happens in that meeting. Uh, the, the battle for faith is, is the first battle for your morning. Every morning as you start your day, the, the first issue is whether or not you're choosing the attitude of faith or not. That's, that's the first thing for you. The, the battle for faith is the first battle of every single work day that you go to. The battle for faith is the battle for every, the first battle in every conversation that you have. Uh, the, the battle for faith is, is the first battle in every Sabbath day, every period of rest. Faith is the first battle for every challenge in life. And if we're sensible, we'll get really skilled at faith. We'll get really skilled at putting faith on and we'll do whatever it takes.